The Guardian. Hi, I'm John Mayer asking you to give five, text alive to 90999. That's A-L-I-V-E. I spelled it out for you. All you got to do is text it. Peace is not just a colored ribbon. It's more than a wristband or a T-shirt. There are so many wonderful pledges of money that could come in the next few years. But this winter is in the next few weeks. Tonight in Africa, 50% of that continent is under 16. And most of those children will go to bed hungry tonight. Like every night. Like every night. Ever since Bob Geldof came back from visiting Ethiopia, determined to raise awareness and funds for famine relief, glamorous lives of film stars, musicians and athletes have been used to campaign and mobilise donations for NGOs. But do you need a celebrity to tell a development story? Are they more than a pretty face for an ad campaign? And is it right that celebrities gain direct access to the political bargaining table? I'm Madeline Bunting and this week's Focus podcast explores the impact of celebrities on development politics. I want a charity that, that doesn't involve too much effort, but it's going to really make a difference, you know, really put me into the A-list. Is there anywhere in the world that no celebrity has tried to fix? Star 4 is the big one now. Yeah, no, it is. What's the new one? What's Star 5? The Sasha Baron Cohen creation, Bruno, there with his version of why celebrities like to take on charitable causes. And on that highbrow note, I'd like to introduce the panel. Executive Director of Grassroots Advocacy and Campaigning Organisation One, Jamie Drummond. Assistant Head of the Africa Programme at Think Tank Chatham House, Tom Cargill. And on the phone from America, Professor of Economics at New York University and Co-Director of their Development Institute, William Easterly. So Jamie, tell us, why do celebrities take on causes? You'd have to ask them all individually, their individual reasons. I've been part of persuading various celebrities to take on some campaigns and causes. And it's best done when they're part of a thought-through political strategy in which popular campaigning plays a part, but you can manage it so it doesn't take over the whole campaign. The best examples would be back in over 10 years ago, a campaign that The Guardian was central to, in fact, the Jubilee 2000 Drop the Debt campaign. Uh, I helped persuade Bono to support that campaign. And through that leverage, the global entertainment industry's support for a very esoteric, complex issue, third world debt, which uh, you and many Guardian readers have followed um, over the years. And I think the celebrities played a very key role. But what made Bono do it? Well, as a younger man, he was uh, encouraged, and as a young musician, he was encouraged by Mandela and Tutu in particular to support the anti-apartheid campaign. Many uh, celebrities were. They engaged aggressively in that campaign. And if you ask the Tutus and the Mandelas today, they would say that the role of popular musicians and entertainers in popularizing their cause when it was not a one issue was very important. Now, they didn't alone at all. I'm not suggesting celebrities caused apartheid to come to an end, but they were part of an overall strategy and they played a role. So it's a moral, that mes- it's that a moral lesson, impulse in the celebrity, do you think? Well, I think if you're asked to make a difference to a campaign by a moral leader like a, like a tutu, um, I think it's quite a hard thing to turn down if you think that you can generally make a contribution. Bill, what do you think? Why, why do you think so many celebrities end up campaigning on development issues? Uh, well, I certainly would give Bono and the others credit for, for having a, 
a real moral sense about what's wrong about our world today and, and wanting to correct it. And I give them great credit for that. Um, the part that I'm a lot less comfortable with is that the celebrities not only become sort of the moral crusaders against uh, against a, a wrong that exists today, but they they also take on a role as sort of the the experts on how we solve the problem, and you know that gives that's part of what gives them the public profile. I think they are, um, you know, I don't I don't think they're totally indifferent to the to the the payoff that by being involved in these issues they have an extremely high public profile. I think you know any of us are are tempted by by that kind of opportunity. Tom, to bring you in. Um... Why do we pay so much attention to these celebrities? I mean, do you have to have a celebrity, do you think, to tell a complicated development issue? I think it can help to have a celebrity clarify what is a complicated development issue into a message that ordinary people um, who aren't specialists in the field can appeal to and, and can get an emotional resonance to. I, th- I think that there is definitely a, a role for them, actually. And part of the problem can be the deeper as a celebrity you get into the field that you're interested in or trying to champion or trying to change. Because by the time, often, you get to the point where you're really, really into the issues, I think it can be difficult even for the celebrity or the person trying to champion a particular issue to be able to deliver key or simple simple or clarified messages themselves and in a way I think this is one thing that's happened to Bob Geldof that he's he's got so deep he's so immersed in it and to a degree that I can't you know he's far more expert on a lot of this stuff than than I could be and I think he's kind of ended up at the end of a journey where it is a really really complicated world that he is immersed in now and clarifying that into a single message becomes really complicated. I mean it's interesting what you just said because you know there you are leading a major department at a major think tank on foreign policy issues and you just said that a celebrity might know more about that issue than you do so I think this notion that there's one kind of creature and it's a celebrity and they're all the same is like saying the private sector is either all good or all bad or you know all charities are all good or bad or aid is all good or bad there's some serious I'm really feeling a negative reaction coming on here (laughs) (laughs) so the idea that Geldof is playing this sort of expert role that bothers me, and, and let me tell you why. Because I think the details of how we, uh, you know, do do economic policies that end the suffering of poverty and ill health and all that, uh, these are arguments that should be settled by logic and evidence, and everyone should be equal in these arguments to put forward their case. And the solutions are complicated, and they only emerge from this kind of debate based on logic and evidence. What happens when Geldof gets involved, or Bono, and they have, you know, they have good expertise for being a rock star. They're way above all other rock stars, uh, but they're not way above the whole world community of people who have spent their whole lives working on these issues and know these issues very well. And it's unfair that the celebrities have, in effect, uh, have the microphone on this, and and all the others do not, uh, because then we wind up. You know, having the celebrities win the argument just because of their celebrity and not because of logic and evidence. And that's not a, that's not a way to arrive at good solutions to these problems. Well, not all NGOs use celebrities. Global justice campaigners, the world development movement, choose not to. And their director, Deborah Duan, explains why. I think there's three probably key problems with celebrities in development. 
So one is that they're promoting the values of individualism rather than the values that, that we want to promote, which is solidarity, community, and action from below. And so, that, so they very much say, look, it's all about me, me, me. The second thing they do is, is they appropriate ideas. They appropriate expertise. And they suggest that ideas have come from the outside rather than from the inside. Development is, is a process. It's not an idea that comes from up on high and is imposed on them. And whereas when you bring celebrities in, I think you're reinforcing again that idea that solutions will come from above, they'll come from the West, they'll come from a few clever bunnies or good-looking bunnies, depending on how you look at it. And then, you know, there's the classic Bono-Geldof example where they basically take on expertise, assume expertise, don't listen to people from below and use that to basically ride roughshod over a whole community of activists in both the North and South and undermine what they'd been working for for years and years. During Make Poverty History, which is really, I think, the pinnacle where people finally realized that the divide between celebs versus development where they undermined, there were, there were thousands and thousands of activists who had worked, in the case of WDM, for years and years on some of those issues, lobbying their local MPs, um, working to educate the press, trying to get people to sign action cards, marching year after year after year. And people want to be engaged and involved. And I think when people like Geldof or Bono dismiss that action, I think they're really dismissing the values of a movement that um, is critical to make things happen. Geldof certainly argued that he brought more attention to the issue through Live 8 in a couple of days than, than as he would say, than your WDMers. And that's a complete fallacy and delusional on his part. And one of the problems with celebrities is their insecurity and their, their need to be constantly adored rather than actually really looking at who it is they're supposedly trying to help and letting their voices be heard. And I, I find that just absolutely obscene. A strong critique there from the director of the World Development Movement, Deborah Duan. And we'll be exploring the issues she brought up throughout the programme. Jamie, why do organisations want to work with celebrities? Their, their role is to popularise and make, bring to the general public, not to those necessarily who already are engaged and concerned, because if you only ever talk to those who are already engaged and concerned, you don't get political change. So in, on the theory that you have to build broader coalitions and bring more people into the conversation and debate and conversation from the bottom up is key, then celebrities can play a very helpful role in getting to a wider public, engaging a wider public in the conversation. They are, if you like, a gateway drug. The key thing is, once people have become engaged through the celeb interest in celebrity, what happens to them on that journey? So if I can give you a specific example, and we've been talking a lot about Bono and Bob here, let me talk about someone else, Brad Pitt. Um, he went to Africa at a time when the world was very interested in his personal life. He used that interest to help, one, recruit two million members back in 2005. Those two million members, m you know, initially one million or so were very interested in, in him and why he was going to Africa. Then they discovered through his interest that they became interested in what's going on in Africa. Those two million people are now regularly calling and emailing their congressional representatives in the United States Senate and the House of Representatives, improving American policy. Now, to Bill's point, um, what are the policies that they're advocating for? These are peer-reviewed, 
with the Oxfams, the World Banks, and people like Bill, actually, on this line. They often campaign on issues that Bill also cares about. So, you know, the celebrity help bring people in, but they should be, as I said right at the beginning, part of a coherent overall strategy to build a long-term social movement. Bono absolutely listens to what people are saying at the grassroots, and I've been in countless town hall meetings and church basement meetings across Europe, across America, and across Africa with him. And I, I know he goes through those meetings, and, and so do many people from these places. Tom, how do you think NGOs should be using celebrities? Um, I think it needs to be part of a broad array of, of techniques they try and uh, uh, bring issues to the broader public and also engage policymakers on them. On a personal level, I can really understand how Bill and others who are specialists in this field have a negative emotional reaction to a lot of these celebrities. And I must admit, I feared it myself. Like, Can't that I, I, be a, like a negative intellectual reaction? Well, no, I, actually, I disagree, <laughs> but I think it is emotional. I think the manner and the way that... Uh, the Geldofs, the, the, the Brad Pitts and so on engage on some of these issues. Even for myself, I don't, I don't connect to it and, and I, I, I feel very uncomfortable with it. But one of the challenges and one of the obstacles that we've got to overcome in development kind of issues is taking out a lot of the emotion when we're looking at the success or otherwise of techniques. And I think if you do that, you have to recognise that these people have a role. And to deny that, I think, is a denial of the, the kind of connection they have with millions of people around the world. Bill, c- coming to you, I mean, Jamie's point is that the, the celebrities listen to the experts. So all they're really doing is putting, you know, getting more publicity for the experts analysis what's your response to that well i mean how is this going to work exactly bono is going to filter all the the disagreements of the experts and then he's going to pronounce what is the correct view i mean that's um why why should bono be in that position just because of his celebrity uh, i think the uh, the the view that wins the argument should emerge from you know the debate uh, among the experts with nobody from outside who's a celebrity playing a referee role to say which argument wins. A set of ideas that uh, have a very patronizing view of how poor people can be helped, that they're helped by being rescued by outsiders, by outside money and experts. It's very top-down. And, you know, I think there's a very large body of opinion that believes solutions should be bottom-up and that people help themselves much more than being rescued by experts. But, so that's but, an example where I think Bono has promoted the wrong view. So but, why are we putting Bono in this role of deciding what is the correct view? But, but Bono actually does do what, uh, you know, he does listen to what people are saying at the grassroots. And the organization I set up with him was about, was initially called Data because it was trying to go for evidence-based policy making. We actually did have debates between all the policy experts about what the right things to do were. He would then help sell them. The people who make the decisions are not the rock stars of the celebrities or the NGOs. It's policy makers, which are elected by citizens and taxpayers in Europe and American places. And they have to make the decisions and they listen to political constituencies. What we in the movement try to do is frankly use celebrities to build the constituencies that care about development so that policymakers, when they're considering whether to cut or increase aid or change trade policies or investment policies or fight corruption that improves or hurts development prospects for poor people, that there's an organised constituency knocking on their door to change the policies for the better, and the celebrities, if they're part of a sensible strategy, can help us do that. But the people who make the decisions are the policymakers, not the celebrities. And the question, you know, Bill, is 
are you and I having a conversation about what good policy is in a, in a good mediated fashion? And then am I sharing those ideas with Bono in a good, in a good way? You know, we've got a lot of good advisors, uh, John Katongo, Paul Collier, Mo Ibrahim, a lot of, you know, the best experts. We talk to you as well and uh, enjoy our conversations. This is a proper and good way to have an evidence-based discussion about good policy, and then Bono can help sell these ideas. Jamie, you seem to have the same sort of top-down idea of how, uh, of how we arrive at uh, the best ideas, uh, which is analogous to the same mistaken top-down approach that I think Bono is promoting in aid. Um, that's not the way ideas work. Let's go back 25 years to Live Aid, the multi-venue concert which was watched by millions on TV and raised an estimated £150 million for the Ethiopian famine. Tom, was Live Aid a success? Did people wake up to the world? I followed it so long and so deeply that I found it really difficult to answer. I can see how it did clarify a huge amount of attention that wasn't there. I can see how it did feed into some ideas about Africa where it doesn't snow that were quite simplistic and reductionist in a way that didn't necessarily help a popular discourse, let alone a a kind of policy discourse on it. I think it was the beginning of a a journey of experience for, and not just the, the celebrities who were involved, but the groups that coalesced around the message that initially came out of that that led to some really positive developments regarding um, how to make aid coherent, how to make it effective, um, that eventually emerged in the late 90s and the beginning of the, the 21st century. But I absolutely agree. I, I, I feel that there were a lot of downsides to it too. So, Jamie, Live Aid was when it really began to snowball, the idea that you needed celebrities. When you look back to Live Aid, what, what's been the legacy of that? Well, I would say that it happened around the same time as the anti-apartheid campaign, which used celebrities a lot as well. And if you think about it, people remember the charity paradigm of Live Aid. It coincided with the the, the justice and the political campaigning paradigm of the anti-apartheid movement. And I think at their best, it's that mixing of, yes, charity sometimes is a good thing, but really the solutions that you need long-term are justice-based. And that's how you build a long-term social movement. And if the celebrities help increase the amount of debate and bring more people into the conversation about what good policy is and how to build a long-term political constituency for change in development issues, they play a very positive role. Live Aid was a seminal moment. It was also a seminal moment for globalisation, in a funny kind of way, of the media and so on, um, and a pop cultural reference point par excellence. Bill, um, I think you were on the way to the World Bank when Geldof actually got on the stage at at Live Aid. What what did you think of the show? And at the time, do you remember, did it crowd out this concept that you've got, that the celebrities crowd out good ideas and important policies? I think Live Aid is a good example of the um, popularizing the wrong solutions because that was very much selling the idea of this sort of natural disaster that had struck these, uh, you know, Ethiopians and, and perpetrating the stereotypes of kind of starving Ethiopians as as helpless people needing to be rescued by, by sending massive amounts of food and donations. And, you know, actually what was going on is the, the famine was uh, in a very significant degree caused by the military dictator ruling Ethiopia at the time. Uh, the aid may have actually helped him uh, stay longer in power 
and and do better in the war that he was fighting against the the rebels who were trying to overthrow him, and so it may have had all these unintended consequences in in practice. Let me actually contrast this with the apartheid example that Jamie just gave, which I think is the perfect example to draw the distinction of what is a good role for celebrities. So you know, I totally agree that uh, that there there was a great role for celebrities, and Bono did great things in the campaign against apartheid. And I see that as completely different from what's going on with the, the this sort of current his current role as sort of the aid expert. Um, the re- the difference is that he's just with apartheid he's just saying, look, uh, apartheid is morally wrong. We can identify who are the wrongdoers. They are the you know the white elite in South Africa who are oppressing the the black majority. They are perpetrating an enormous wrong. It's morally wrong. It should stop. And we're going to keep campaigning until it stops. You know, that's just a moral position. It's not, you know, devising an expert uh, 10-step plan to transition from apartheid to majority rule. It's just saying this is morally wrong. It's got to stop. And that, I think, is a very positive role for celebrities. It's it's like what John, the same role that John Lennon played as a, you know, anti-Vietnam War activist. Uh, this. It's been a, a role that celebrities have always played. Uh, it, they played that role in the campaign against slavery in the 19th century, and that's a great role for celebrities. Well, let's move on now and hear a famous person who has used her recognisable status to campaign for social justice, including for the WikiLeaks founder Julian Assange, arrested recently. Bianca Jagger is founder of the Bianca Jagger Human Rights Foundation and also the Council of Europe's Goodwill Ambassador. I have... Uh campaign for human rights, social justice and the protection of the environment for the last 30 years and I will say that I should be, that I hope that I am regarded more as a human rights, social justice and environmental campaigner rather than a celebrity. I think I have earned the title of a human rights campaigner. The Bianca Jagger Human Rights Foundation, what I decided to do is to give a voice for the most vulnerable members of our society, for children, women, indigenous people, people in death row, those who have no voice and who have no means of reaching the media and exposing the human rights violations that they've been um, subjected to. What I do is I write about these issues, I publish articles in newspapers, but in addition to that as well, I, I love governments. Sometimes I testified in parliaments and in uh, Congress. Uh, I try to persuade and to urge investors of the importance of them understanding the human rights violation that a particular corporation is committing against a particular tribe or a community, etc. Of course it helps, you know, to have a recognizable name and that people can identify with you as someone they know. But it wouldn't help if you didn't have credibility, if people didn't agree with you or at least to feel that that you are an honorable person when you're trying to promote an idea and that you don't have hidden agendas and that and that you know what you're talking about. Bianca Jagger there explaining how she uses her media presence to add weight to an issue. Bill, she seems to be describing exactly the problem that you have with the expertise of celebrities. She talks about needing credibility and that she needs to know what she's talking about to lobby effectively. Do you have any sympathy for what she's saying? Well, you know, I think there's a minimum level of knowledge to identify what is uh, what is a moral wrong, uh, but it's mainly a moral instinct, you know, that it's 
I think it was fairly obvious to everyone who did not have a vested interest in apartheid that apartheid was morally wrong. I think it was obvious that slavery was morally wrong when, when writers in the 19th century were campaigning against it. So I think celebrities, I think, would be much more effective acting on their moral instincts, and that sounds like what Bianca is doing, and and also challenging power, you know, identifying who is doing wrong and saying, you know, you are the wrongdoers, you must stop doing wrong. That's that's really a, a, a very effective way to organize politically, and it also does bring real change. But it's also very painful and costly, of course, for celebrities to do that, like John Lennon opposing the Vietnam War led to massive harassment of Lennon by the FBI. Uh, Nick's administration tried to get him deported from the U.S. for four years. You know, you, you have to pay a steep price. Jamie, what happens to an unpopular cause if it can't find a celebrity? I mean, are, do you think it's possible to generate a, campaigns and so forth without celebrities? Um, it is very, very difficult. It is possible. And new technology is making it increasingly impossible. Impos- I'm very excited about the potential of mobile telephony and broadband connectivity across developing world to change the way campaigning works and I hope that we never use celebrities that's sort of a future I would dream for I campaign on these issues once upon a time without any use of celebrities I was far too politically correct and uh, um, you know and, and however we didn't unfortunately get our issues into the Guardian as often as we'd like or the Financial Times or the newspapers and it was when we started working with celebrities that we did. So I think if everyone from the general public to the owners of newspapers would, co- uh, would commit, and policymakers, would commit to always uh, write and publish articles and pass policies based upon perfect policymaking processes, then we wouldn't need celebrities. Mm. But Tom, until that glorious day, I think we're going to need them. Tom, how successful are celebrities? I mean, take the case, for example, of Darfur, which is a very complex political problem. Has Mia Farrow and George Clooney, Don Cheadle, have they been able to really achieve effective change? Uh, no, I think Darfur is a really good example where, for me, um, it, it wasn't the, the, the celebrities themselves that I necessarily blame, but it was the, the campaign groups and the way that they were used by campaign groups that simplified a complex issue to the point where the wrong problem was being focused on by the international community. The problem in Sudan is about north-south. It's about the coherence of the state. It's not just about one area. Uh, and for me, that was that was a case where policy focus was led in the right, wrong direction. But I think it is a really good example of how important celebrities can be in moving that celebrity, fo- in moving that policy focus, because without that policy, without that celebrity involvement, policy focus wouldn't necessarily have moved on to that particular issue. So I can understand the complaints, particularly from that case, of those who say we shouldn't need celebrities to um, move particular campaigns in one direction or another. But that's talking about a world that doesn't exist. And for those of us who live in the world that does exist, the case of Darfur shows actually what a difference these voices can make. So that's a quite complex point. Uh, the celebrities <laughs> got us focused on Sudan, but they got us focused on the wrong problem in Sudan. Yeah, and it shows a lot that I mean, I'm not uncritically far from it. Uh, supportive of the use of celebrities because I think that they are powerful and if they are utilised in the wrong way but they are essentially just tools at the end of the day which is why I think 
this suggestion that that um, campaigns should be just led by the grassroots somehow is a bit disingenuous because it doesn't reflect the way that reality is. There are these individuals, whether they're celebrities or politicians or business people, who have huge influence. The point is to use them for the right purpose, not the wrong purpose, not to pretend they don't exist. But you seem to be suggesting in the case of Darfur that actually celebrities really were part of the problem. They certainly didn't help to contribute to the solution. Yeah, I think so. I think that's true. Celebrities today are not just raising awareness and funds for issues and organisations, they're also lobbying politicians, leading their own foundations and brushing up on the more technical side of development issues. Andrew Cooper is Professor of Political Science at the University of Waterloo in Canada and author of Celebrity Diplomacy. In terms of listening to celebrities, I think politicians, not all politicians, but I think particularly the ones from the the English-speaking world have been very influenced by celebrities. They know celebrities can sort of link the, the wider public into issues, into events that even politicians can't do. Uh, George W. Bush sort of brought Bono in to the inner circle on, on development issues within the context of the, uh, the G8. Even, even Bob Geldof sort of becomes a, an insider. Uh, the other aspect, of course, is they can do it. They can draw a crowd. They can get attention into not just the serious media, but, of course, also the soft media. And this is very different from not only NGOs, which struggle to, to sort of break through that, that barrier, but also, of course, traditional diplomats that find it very difficult for all the talk about soft power and, and public diplomacy. They find it very difficult. They're not going to get on to Oprah. They're not going to get into Hello! magazine or, you know, into tonight and this type of thing, and celebrities can do that. How has celebrity diplomacy uh, changed? I, I think probably the biggest change, and it's still a change in evolution, is sort of going beyond the boundaries, the, the borders of, the, I guess, the Anglo-American world. When, when I looked at it, it was very much centered in the UK and in, in the United States, and, and not really terribly important uh, elsewhere. And I think you're beginning to see sort of ripples uh, outside of, of, of that world. And, and, and some of them are, are problematic. I mean, Wycliffe Jean in Haiti, I think, is a good example you know, of somebody who very much in the sort of bono mentorship mode, but also, of course, moving that celebrity diplomatic role into sort of celebrity politics, which is, which is, is, is problematic. I think what we're going to watch for, though, is celebrity diplomacy to, to rear up in, in places that maybe it hasn't been seen before. India, uh, fascinated by celebrities. Uh, lots of, of the, the Bollywood crowd not only have resources, but they have sort of that attraction of being global players. So I think this is the type of, of celebrity dip- diplomat to, to watch for. Andrew Cooper, the author of Celebrity Diplomacy. Bill, this concept of celebrity diplomacy, what sort of moral challenges in development would you like to see these kinds of celebrities pick up? We need to get away from this illusion that development is just this problem that is just uh, sort of a technocratic problem that you just need the the expertise and knowledge to solve all the technological problems and then we'll have development. I mean, development is a lot about, uh, you know, the op- uh, oppression uh, by some uh, powerful rulers and dictators who, you know, are... are beating their own peoples into subjection with massive repression and torture and imprisonment of dissidents. 
and that is what is preventing development in, in you know some very important cases and that's the kind of moral challenge I would love to see Bono or any other celebrities take on that you know it is is so obviously a moral wrong that a dictator like say uh, Paul Bia in Cameroon who who shot uh, had his security forces shoot down in the street in 2008 uh, over a hundred students who most of whom were shot in the head at point blank range and they were just peacefully protesting government policies and calling for change in Cameroon you know the the oppression of a ruler like Paul Bia is one of the main reasons why Cameroon is still poor and that is a moral issue that celebrities can get engaged in, not only opposing Paul B. himself, but also opposing the massive backing that he gets from the U.S. and U.K. and other donors when he gets you know, something like 70% of his government budget from foreign aid and on top of all the foreign oil, the oil revenues that he has. Why are we not taking that issue on? It is a moral issue. Uh, you don't need the, the detailed expertise that we've been talking about to identify that as a moral issue. You do stand up to power and, uh, and challenge power, say to the U.S. leaders, you're doing wrong by supporting this guy who's oppressing its own people and keeping them in poverty. That's what celebrities should be doing. Jamie, what's your response to that? Um, I, I agree with a lot of what Bill just said. I think the question is, how do you go about it? If you're going to get involved in campaigning against specific African leaders, you have to be pretty clear about the African grassroots groups that you're engaged with and what you, who, who your partners are. Um, but let's take uh, an example where Bono recently teamed up with many grassroots campaigning groups around the world on and, and one did our organization, um, which was a, a, about transparency and fighting corruption in the energy sector, which is often uh, what feeds and sustains dictatorships in resource-rich but very poor countries and places like Africa, the so-called resource curse. If we can change the power relationship between uh, the international oil companies as they're uh, signing the contracts with relatively poorly governed states, uh, which the, leader, the, you know, the, the, the government officials then use some of the money that they get in bribes to stay in power and, and, and get themselves further up the, the, the food chain in the political systems of these countries. If you can change that, you start to get at what Bill's talking about in a very practical way the Cardin-Luger Amendment, the financial reform bill in the United States, Bono campaigned on uh, with George Soros and others and these grassroots groups. It is now law in the United States. Uh, we are trying to multilateralize that. We're trying to get it to cover the London Stock Exchange and other stock exchanges and all of Europe. Uh, we're very engaged with that. In response to transparency and anti-corruption campaigners across Africa asking us to do that, to unpack some of that, I think we're gonna, we might have to have some celebrities involved. Tom, coming to you... Uh are celebrities crossing the line when they meet with world leaders? Would you ever invite celebrities to, indeed, Chatham House for one of your conferences? Oh, yeah, and we have done in the past, yeah. As I say, I don't like it, and I, I, I don't engage with the way that celebrities talk about things a lot of the time. I find it very difficult even to sit in a meeting with Bob Geldof, for instance. But <laughs> there's no point me just taking that and going, oh, well, I don't like their involvement. I mean, they have... They clearly have a role. They clearly have influence. And to talk about the world and how we um, make an impact on the world and on policy without talking about celebrities, I think, is is frankly self-deluding. Can you explain a little bit more about why it's difficult to be in a room with Geldof? <laughs> I just don't like his way of approaching things, which is very direct, very in your face. If he doesn't like what you're saying, he cuts you off. 
Um, I'm used to, maybe it's my kind of Chatham House uh, politeness, but I'm used to a more kind of uh, uh, informal back and forth exchange, um, which is just not my experience of, of, of how he deals with a, with an audience. I'm sure he's different in some meetings, but that's just not my experience. No, he's, he's always like that. <laughs> His style is to learn by arguing. Mm. So it, it's just how he operates. He, and, and some people find it rude. He gets to the point quite quickly um, and it gets things done. Uh, he's not always right about everything, um, and uh, few of us are. Um, so, just that point on Bob's uh, argumentative style does, you know, also force the issue sometimes. Bill, a final word from you: Is it something you're going to have to lump, or do you think you can push back against the sort of celebritization of development politics? I think I'm going to have to live with celebrities being involved. Uh, but again, I'd like to direct them more and into the traditional role of being dissidents and moral crusaders where they they have played a constructive role in the past and they can in the future, such as all the examples we've been talking about, such as the apartheid uh, being sort of the classic example. And there are plenty of moral issues like that lying on the table that I wish celebrities would take up, not only the one I just mentioned of, uh, you know, U.S. US leaders supporting a dictator in Africa, but... You know, for that matter, let's take on some of the bad bad things being done by the U.S. leaders themselves. Um, George W. Bush was able to project a more benevolent image using Bono, and I wish Bono had instead challenged him on things like human rights violations and the war on terror. You know, torture is an obvious moral wrong. Uh, why not take on Bush on torture uh, at the same time that you're inducing him to... Uh, to do more aid. Jamie, final, final thoughts from you? Um, look, there's the, if you like, the politicisation of celebrity and there's the celebrification of politics. And, you know, we wish we all lived in a world where we didn't need celebrities to drive popular campaigning to get policy change. We do. So let's make the best of that. Let's have really good discussions about what good policy is. Let's make sure the cam- popular campaigning tail doesn't wag the dog which is good policy, good development policy. And Tom, you get the final word. Is there some sort of measured Chatham House-style conclusion you can draw to this rather, uh, this, this conversation with a lot of different opinions? Uh, I think the balance is shifting, and I think putting pressure by, from Western governments onto uh, African or emerging power governments is increasingly less effective. The influence has to be on Western policymakers, and that has to be the way that change happens in an increasingly multi, uh, multi-dimensional world. That's all for this week's Focus podcast. My thanks to Tom Cargill, Professor William Easterly and Jamie Drummond. I'm Madeline Bunting. This podcast was produced by Peter Sale. The researcher was Claire Proist. For more great downloads, go to guardian.co.uk forward slash audio.